there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, guys? Week number 11 preview for our beloved Chicago Bears playing the Detroit Lions in Detroit on Sunday. And uh, I think I've expressed more than once. I'm not thrilled uh, about this matchup. Uh, But one thing I am thrilled about is we have our good friend Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit uh, on the show to help us preview uh, this matchup. Um, You know, I'm I'm kind of a a, a backdoor or or background, I should say, background uh, Lions fan because, as you guys know, over the years it's been the Bears and the Lions basically trading uh, last place uh, uh, and everything. So it's finally... It's good to see, number one, uh, Green Bay struggling and that, uh, you know, one of the cellar dwellers has uh, found a way out. If if only for 2023, they look fantastic. They look like one of the best teams, like they're actually going to make a serious run uh, in the NFC if all goes uh, well. It's like I think in the power rankings of the NFC, they'd be in third behind the Eagles and the uh, 49ers. Uh, right now, but um, you know they're going to be a team to contend with, especially since they are finally doing the things that can win you championship games. They're running the football, they're playing good defense. Last week's uh, you know uh, game aside, giving up 38 points to the uh, Chargers, but uh, that, that just what that's just what that game became was just a, a def- an offensive shootout back and neither neither one of those teams could play defense uh, last week, and in the end, it was the the lions that came out uh, ahead. So yeah, I'm uh it's it's nice to see somebody's rebuild going correctly or going in the order that it's supposed to while the bears have been running in place uh this year and uh might have to, you know, hit the panic button and blow it all up again uh in 2024 if some of the things that I've been reading uh online uh are true. So but we'll talk about that in our news and notes. Let's go ahead and get the show started. This is the Week 11 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Yeah, this is just, just not a game that I am looking forward to. Uh, if, if it goes the way that I think it will, and I don't think I'm being pessimistic. I think I'm being realistic. For as as well as Detroit has been playing uh, in these first nine, uh, ten weeks uh, of the season with how mistake-prone we've been, with how much we like to shoot ourselves in the foot, getting Justin Fields back is fantastic. This is not the game that I wanted him back for. I wanted him to play last Thursday uh, against the Panthers when we're playing against a team where you can afford, where you can afford to take a little while to shake off the rust and get back into the rhythm of it. He's not going to have any time for that this week uh, against the uh, Lions. This is a, a monumental task for how this – it's not that the Bears aren't capable of it. It's that they haven't shown us that they can even compete in a game like this. Our three wins, the Commanders, the uh, Raiders, and the Panthers. Now, granted, the Raiders are trending up since they finally fired – 
uh, Josh McDaniels. The you know the the Commanders are you know hovering around uh, you know five hundred. I think they're four and six uh, right now. Before they finally won this past Sunday, they'd lost like four out of six or something. Uh, like that, and of course the Panthers are the Panthers. We own the number one pick because they're the worst team in the NFL right now. But when we played a team with any kind of substance, we've gotten our asses kicked, uh, and we've looked really, really bad uh, in the process. So, I mean, the one exception would be that Denver game, uh, but that was where the defense completely collapsed. Uh, and well, actually, you know, you could wager that the whole team kind of collapsed there in the fourth quarter, uh, giving that one away, but. Whenever we've run into anybody who's any any way any way kind of decent, we've uh, basically just rolled over and showed them our bellies and, and gotten their asses kicked. So, uh, you know, that's why I'm not really looking forward to this. It's a divisional game, so it can't be written off. Uh, the Bears and the Lions, and the, uh, the uh, Week 17 matchup uh, from last year aside, where we literally got our asses handed to us uh, in like 41 to 10 or whatever it was uh, last season. That game aside, most games between the Bears and the Lions tend to be interesting. So just think back to what, week six, week seven uh, last year. Uh, the Lions are one and six coming into town. So it would be what, week eight, I guess then. They come into town one and six, and we, we end up losing a 31 to 30 uh, shootout uh, in that one uh, with them. And that basically catapulted them uh, to finishing nine and eight and almost making. Uh, the playoffs uh, last year. So, I don't know. Maybe we can be, for them, what Carolina was last year, which is when they're they're riding high. They've won a handful of games in a row. They've got this gimme game against uh, uh, Carolina. I think it was a Thursday night game, maybe, or something like that. And um, they got rolled for, like, the the Panthers, including our, our current running back of Deontay Foreman, Ran for 300 yards rushing in that game, and and blew the the Lions out when they were just looking to keep the winning going to stay in the playoff picture. That loss ended up costing them uh, a shot at the playoffs. So maybe while they're looking ahead to you know to maybe finishing the sweep on Green Bay uh, on Thanksgiving Day or something, we kind of catch them with their pants down and uh, come away with a uh, surprise win here. It's like I think the Bears can do this. But will they do that has been the question that we've been proven wrong each and every week, basically, this season. Aside from the few exceptions, every time it's like, can they win? Yes, it's like, I believe we have the talent to do this. But it's a combination of coaching, uh, undisciplined play from our players, just overall incompetence one way uh, or the other. This team is not playing up to its potential. That's why we're in the situation that we're in. It's like, I think Ryan Poles put a good roster together, but it has not lived up uh, to the production that it's capable of. And who knows? Maybe we'll see it on Sunday because we got our offensive line back. Basically, you know, you'll hear me tell, I I recorded my conversation with Jeremy on, on Tuesday. So this was before any of the news about the offensive line and the changes. And and if we knew for sure, if Justin Fields was going to play, uh, on Sunday, so it was like Tuesday night when we got together. So, you know, fast forward about 16 hours, and then all of this stuff became uh, news uh, and everything. But it's like you'll hear me tell him we are, we're going into Week 11. We have yet to have what we said our best five was in training camp. Have not played it down in the regular season together 
yet this Sunday was our best chance, but it's not going to happen because Cody Whitehair uh, has been benched. We'll get to that, that in just a few moments here uh, in news and notes. So that's just kind of where my head is at right now. Let's go ahead and dive in uh, here. Um, as I mentioned, the offensive line uh, is going to be at full strength or as close to full strength as we have been all season. You know, because even week one, you know, we had Jatiri Carter uh, out there playing for for Tevin Jenkins, or we had, and he was rotating in and out for Nate Davis because I think he missed the first game with his personal issue, at least the first game with uh, with his family problems, or you know, his poor mom uh, being sick and everything. Um, but uh, you know, Jatiri Carter was in there. Lucas Patrick was our center when it was supposed to be Cody Whitehair, but Cody Whitehair was playing guard for the injured. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, then about two weeks into the season, uh, Nate Davis comes back, but Braxton Jones goes down uh, with the neck injury, uh, you know, and it's it's just been a, a combination. Like, we're going to game number 11. This is, by my mark, at least the eight or ninth offensive line configuration that we've had this year. And from left to right, it's going to be Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins moving back to left guard, which I think is interesting. Lucas Patrick as uh, at our at center. Nate Davis will be back in the lineup on Sunday uh, after the ankle injury he suffered five weeks ago uh, on in week six against the Vikings. And then at right tackle, as usual, the only guy that started every game is uh, Darnell Wright. So, actually, he'll be the only guy to start every game when uh, when the game starts because Cody. This will be the first game I think Cody Whitehair hasn't played in. He's been healthy this year, but he's been bounced around the uh, the lineup because of injuries and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So he'll be our swing interior guy. God forbid if something happens. I mean, that's the kind of season it's been for the offensive line. Aside from Darnell Wright, who's, who's played one position all season, everybody else has been moving around in and out of the lineup with injuries and, and all that kind of stuff. So, But with Nate Davis back, they put him back at right guard, which I thought was interesting considering – what a dominant duo Jenkins and Wright have been together on that right side. But, you know, right side is uh, the right guard is where Nate Davis lives, so they put him back over there. Tevin Jenkins back to left guard, reunited with Braxton Jones, and then the uh, Lucas Patrick has kind of been a 50-50 kind of guy. You know, sometimes he's been really great. Other times he's been a liability as well. But I guess that's just been the center position for the Bears uh, this year. So it's too bad. Uh, that it happened uh, this way or that, you know, the season hasn't really gone in Cody's favor to the point where if he was playing at at center on Sunday, we would finally have that original offensive line playing together for the first time in week 11. So, I mean, that's the kind of season uh, it's been. But with those four back in there, along with Lucas Patrick, this is the offensive line that we want in front of Justin Fields in the game where he's uh, he's coming back. So I think this gives Justin Fields the best opportunity to have a look like he got in Washington and against Denver where he'll have some opportunities to be able to scan the field and read the pocket and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, be able to step into throws instead of having to run for his life, you know, throw it off the back foot or throw the ball in a weird angle because he's kind of got to sling it in there kind of thing. Hopefully this offensive line will be as uh, solid as it was at times uh, in uh, with with Bajent, uh back there. So we'll uh, 
We'll keep our fingers crossed on that. Uh, in roster moves, uh, the Bears waived Darrington Evans uh, today. Um, it's believed to be a move that uh, was made to make room for Khalil Herbert when he is activated from injured reserve. He was upgraded from uh, limited the other day, or yesterday, I should say, on Tuesday, to uh, full participation today with that ankle injury. He was, it says ankle slash shin, so I th- maybe the shin was what keep, kept him limited yesterday. Upgraded to full participation today. The Bears pulled the trigger on putting uh, Evans on waivers. And, um, you know, he's had 30 carries, 405 yards rushing, and a touchdown. And he had 49 yards receiving on seven catches in five games with the Bears uh, this year. If he clears waivers, maybe the Bears will put him back on the practice uh, squad. But somebody will have to get cut to make that happen. We got a full 16-man squad uh, at the moment so yeah unfortunate that uh you know that that's just the business uh, of the nfl our number one back is coming back and we need his roster spot so somebody's got to go and uh i guess it's just cleaner to uh to send evans uh packing that's unfortunate but um interesting rumor not so much a rumor but uh something that was kind of uh i i guess made known earlier this week um I don't know who it was because it wasn't it, – I don't think it was the general manager, but I saw a video uh, of a Carolina Panther representative. I think it was the GM, actually. I think it was Federer. Um, it, it, actually, now that I'm thinking about the context of the video, it was the general manager uh, for the Panthers. But apparently, leading up to the trade that the Bears made with the Panthers, it wasn't originally just between the Bears and the Panthers. It was going to be a three-team trade including the Houston Texans. So here's what the guy said. He said that the Bears were going to trade with Houston to go from one to two, so we would have gotten you know some draft capital out of the Texans, and then we would have made the deal with Carolina to go from two down to nine. So, I mean, we still would have been drafting in the same place, but we would have traded down twice before the draft to make it happen. And I can't. I can only imagine. I mean, we're moving one spot, so maybe we would have got a second round pick uh, out of it or something like that. But uh, apparently, he said last minute the, uh, I guess Nick Cesario from the uh, Texans got cold feet and pulled out of the trade, and then it ended up just being a, a direct deal uh, with the uh, with the Panthers to go from uh, from one to nine. But it's really interesting because I because what makes it interesting for me is that the Bears still pick in the same place. It's like, but what we would have gotten from Houston to make that deal? Or would Carolina have given Houston something to kind of grease the wheel? So it was a, you know, a straight up three man or a three team uh, trade kind of thing. Or would have, would it just have been the bears trading down twice to go from one to nine, but getting draft capital out of two teams to do it. So I was like, I, I, I would really love to find out more specifics on what the actual, offer was you know what was Houston going to give Chicago to go from you know from two to one and you know what what would have been different about what Carolina offered the Bears to go from nine to two so you know it's interesting I'm not sure why this was released now maybe it's just because of uh maybe a bit of buyer's remorse like if the like I don't know if the Texans were all about CJ Stroud the whole time but maybe if, you know, Texans are at one, they get Bryce Young. 
and then C.J. Stroud, who has turned out to be the far superior of the two as far as how they've played as rookies, which is not all on Bryce Young. It's just he walked headlong into a bad situation. C.J. Stroud had you know better tools around him, a better offensive line, a better head coach in uh, you know D'Amico Ryan's, or at least uh, you know somebody who knew how to use him. Uh, properly because he's been not just the best rookie quarterback but one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL especially over the last month uh, or so so I wonder you know was it brought up because if they're drafting it too then they have to settle for CJ Stroud or or anything like that it's really that's what made it most interesting to me what else would the Bears have gotten to trade with Houston to go from two to one and you know what would the deal with the Carolina have looked like? Well, they've been able to have their cake and eat it too. Like, say, for instance, maybe we get something similar out of Carolina, but because they're not getting the number one pick, DJ Moore isn't part of the deal. You know, something along those lines. It's uh, it's interesting to think about. I would love to know, like, what was the offer? What was Houston going to give Chicago? What would the compensation from Carolina uh, been without, you know, going from 9-2 to two instead of 9-1? to one? Really, really interesting stuff. So... Uh, something else that was really interesting, and uh, this is why, uh, in case you guys are wondering, why is the explicit tag on the uh, episode? Uh, it's not because Jeremy and I uh, went crazy in, on our interview or anything like that. It's because I read this, and I've actually been reading this for a week or two now, uh, about uh, rumors about Belichick moving on from New England and possible targets or places that he might be interested in. Number one is the L.A. Chargers because he wants to go somewhere with an established quarterback and a good defense. Well, they have one of those things. They have great defensive players uh, in, in, in L.A. with the Chargers, but not so much a great defense. But maybe under his tutelage, he can make that work. And for some reason, his other choice is the Bears. Here's why I put the explicit tag. Keep Bill Belichick the fuck away from my team. Okay, I am <laughs> I am not interested at all in having Bill Belichick come in and take over the organization because he wouldn't just be the head coach. He'd also be the general manager because that's he wears both hats in New England. He basically runs the football operations uh out there and that's exactly what he's going to be looking for moving on to another uh franchise. And um no. No thank you. Okay, I think it's Bill Belichick is the best Greatest head coach of all time. No no, no doubt whatsoever. Okay? People will be trying to replicate what he did with Brady over 20 seasons for the rest of time until somebody does it better than they did. Okay? But they were together for 19, 20 seasons, something like that. And in that time, they the worst they did in most seasons was play for the AFC Championship and in 19 seasons, 20 seasons, whatever it was, they went to the Super Bowl 10 times and they won six. Yeah. They wrote the blueprint on success and how to get it done with from year to year, with different rosters, different players, doing different things, even from a week-to-week basis, situational football, nobody did it better. Okay? But he's in his 70s now, and he's proven – not to be the magician with Brady being gone. Mac Jones has been a disaster, and so have the Patriots. I mean, they're in front of us. Like, for our pick right now, the Bears own the fifth pick in the draft as their own actual draft choice. The Patriots are at three or four with the, you know, they're they're toggling back and forth behind the Giants right now. 
Okay, they're going to be taking a quarterback. That's no doubt whatsoever. So yeah, I'm 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 not interested at all in 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 the Belichick farewell tour uh, in Chicago and 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 hoping that he's going to come in and it's just all going to be uh, cured and fixed. And I was like, no, thank you, no, thank you. I would much rather take our chances. You know, with Harbaugh, it's like I'm not really crazy about that idea, to be completely honest with you. But maybe like a Ben Johnson, an offensive guy that's we're going to see this weekend when he leads the offense to kicking the shit out of us uh, against Detroit. And any other big offensive player or F offensive uh, minded player, I mean, even Eric Bieniemy, I'd be excited about. Look at what he's done with Sam Howell uh, in Washington uh, and everything. Imagine what he could do. So. I'm not interested at all in Belichick coming. Stay the fuck away from the Bears, okay? Go out to L.A., get some sun, enjoy your your golden years uh, in the NFL. See if you can squeeze a, a championship out of Justin Herbert. Do not come to Chicago. Do not do that. And and I hope the Bears don't fall for it. I, I'm I'm I just maybe I'm crazy. I'm not interested at all in Bill Belichick uh, coming in and and running the Bears. Not even a little bit. So. That's uh, there you go. Stay the fuck away from Chicago, Bill. Just uh, keep going west if that's what you're headed. Go to L.A., please. Stay the hell away from us. And then finally, David Montgomery gets to play his old foes for the very first time, or his old friends, I should say, for the first time. New foes, and uh, Montgomery says he's treating it like any other game. Uh, direct quote: I'm I'm just going to be me. Uh, I'm not going to try to play out of the lines of myself. I'm just going to be me. I'm. I think me being who I am is enough. So I'll just go out, play the way that I play, play the way that I know how, and hope we execute properly and walk out of there uh, with the dub. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, but he didn't he didn't uh, do what Roquan did and kind of bury Chicago. He said, ultimately, Chicago was the first place that took a shot on me, gave me a chance to be a part of the journey of who I am today. I love Chicago, the city of Chicago, and everything they've done done to me, or maybe done for me. But it worked out. Uh, I'm here, and I love this team. I love my team. I feel the best that I felt in my career. I feel like I'm playing the best that I played in my career up to this point, and that's the the testament to to God. So, yeah. So no shade on Chicago like uh, Roquan did. I mean, Roquan wasn't wrong. Uh, if he was still in Chicago and we're still three and seven and all, he he would be wasting his career. But yeah. So we'll see how it goes. But basically, he's he's saying that it's you're not going to see. And an overly uh, ramped up uh, Montgomery out there trying to, you know, put one on the Bears just to, uh, you know, to give it to us because we uh, decided to go elsewhere. We we turned them free or whatever the situation was. So, and then finally the injury report. Uh, it's finally looking better. You know, Kari Blazingame was uh, left the game on on Thursday with a concussion. He's been full participation this week. Nate Davis who I didn't practice once the entire time uh, up until now, has been full participation Wednesday and Thursday with that ankle injury. Jermaine Edmonds with the knee injury still has not practiced um, since suffering that injury, I believe, against the uh, – it was a couple of weeks ago. So Because he didn't play against uh, Carolina. He didn't play the game before that either. So the Saints, is that the game maybe? No was prior to that. Whatever the game before, the Saints would be the, the Chargers, wouldn't it? That's the game he hurt his knee in, I think so. Anyway, the, the headline, of course, Justin Fields, full participation 
this week. The Bears have named him the starter uh, for Sunday, so he will finally be back in the lineup. As I mentioned before, Khalil Herbert, uh, running back, had a, had a shin to his list of ailments. He was limited on Wednesday, full go uh, today. And then, of course, we waived Darrington Evans. You know, the Bears probably wait till Saturday to finally activate uh, Herbert. Uh, Jack Sanborn was limited with an ankle injury yesterday, full go per uh, today. Terrell Smith, the DB who was really trending upwards before he had to deal with the mono, um, has been full participation this week, so maybe he'll be activated uh, as well. I don't think he went on I- Maybe he did on IR. I don't think so. He doesn't have a designation next to his name, an asterisk or anything like that, so maybe he'll just he's still on the roster and he'll just play uh, on Sunday. But he was really playing well uh, and even forced a turnover in that commander's game on Thursday Night Football in Week 5, and that was the last time he played uh, so it's been six weeks since Terrell Smith has played. Hopefully he'll be uh, uh, ready to go to, to help out in the uh, secondary. Uh, and then finally, Noah Sewell, a rookie linebacker, uh, was limited today with a knee injury. He's, he's new to the injury report uh, today. So the good news, Nate Davis is back. Justin Fields is back. Khalil Herbert is likely going to be back. Oh, I forgot about Deontay Foreman. He's limited with an ankle injury the past couple of days. I don't think that's really anything to be uh, worried about. So I think that he'll be back to play on uh, Sunday. So, but there you have it. There's the injury report. There's news and notes. Now let's go ahead and bring in our guest from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit, our good friend Jeremy Reisman, here to help us preview Bears-Lions, week number 11. Week number 11, my beloved Chicago Bears, our beloved Chicago Bears, coming off the mini-buy after their epic war with the Carolina Panthers on Thursday night football in which they wore the worst uniforms in the history of pro sports. Uh, but came away with the win because we just happened to play the only team in the league worse than us uh, at the moment. Uh, after this mini-buy, we head on up to Detroit to take our, I guess now annual, savage beating at the hands of uh, of the Detroit Lions, because the last time we went up there, uh, they almost broke the scoreboard, beating the crap out of us. And here to help us, uh, you know, I don't know, make sense of this or or to be reminded that this is a, a rivalry that we've enjoyed over the years. Uh, from Pride of Detroit, it's our great friend Jeremy Reisman. Jeremy, long time no talk, bro, but this is what happens when your team doesn't play till week 11. Yeah, yeah. Uh... I guess just be thankful that you're not the Vikings to us because I wouldn't see you until week 16. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, good to, good to hear from you, Larry. Larry, I'm glad. Uh, yeah, you glad guys get that uh, that weird weird 16 week 16 week 18 sandwich this yeah. year. And and if if things go the way they're currently headed, it could be a literal third game in four weeks in the in the wild card. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. So off the top. Uh, I mentioned this when we were talking before we started recording. Congrats on your team turning out to be what people thought it was going to be, whereas <laughs> mine uh, just did a, uh, a header right down the stairs week one uh, against Green Bay that we have yet to really uh, recover from. So congrats on on being the team that everyone either thought and or hoped you guys could be this year. 
Uh, thanks, man. Uh, it, I'm not going to lie. It feels pretty darn good after what this franchise has been through for some 60, 70 years. I'm not going to say, you know, the lines are arrived yet. They, they, it would be nice to win a playoff game for the second time in the in the Super Bowl era before start declaring anything big. But um, it, is, it, is an, it is an exciting uh, time because the Lions are 7-2. and two. They're a legit 7-2. and two. They've beaten some good teams along the way. They're playing good football. And, and most exciting of all, at least to me, is the fact that this is still a very young team very early in the Dan Campbell era. And I, I tend to think this might just be the beginning of, of what could be a, a long reign of, of really good football in Detroit. Yeah, one of the things that you and I do when we get together is that we spend a lot of time talking before we record or we spend a lot of time talking after uh, we record. And I cut myself off from saying, like, we should be recording this, so let's stop doing this. <laughs> is that this rebuild is going by the numbers, yeah. you know, because year one, it was we're going to take all of our lumps this year, year. You you start 0-10-1, you win, like, what, three your last three, four games of the season uh, or whatever it was. Yeah, um, three or six. Yeah, and then you think it's happening again in year two. You start one and six, but then you rattle off eight out of nine wins and almost make the playoffs. It's like, okay, so this is – this is this is them turning it around, uh, you know. The defense really kind of, instead of being in the swinging gate that it was for the first six seven weeks of the season, really tried to you know started to tighten up a little bit. Golf and the offense really got going. Almost made the playoffs, if not for the damn what Rams losing to the Seahawks uh, <laughs> yeah. in the last game of the season. You guys could have had you know your cake and eat it too uh, last year, but instead. Got to come in for year three, and, um, you know, I, when we talked over the summer, I was like, I think you guys can do it, but you're still the Lions, so I got to see it before I can believe it, and sure. I'm seeing it. You know, you guys are actually uh, doing it. I mean, right off the bat, week one, you beat the world champs in their own building, um, you know, to start off the season, ruin their banner uh, ceremony. Then you had that hiccup in week two where it's like, Going into week three, I was like, okay, will the real Lions defense please stand up? Is that Are you going to be the defense that shut down the world champs in their own building, held them to 20 points, forced turnovers, got a pick six, and all that kind of stuff? Or are you going to be that defense that gives Matt Stafford you know, nightmares about I'm the one that has to go out there and outscore my opponent because my defense can't stop anybody? And then you hold Atlanta to six points and like, okay, Question answered. We'll move forward from here, kind of thing. Yeah, that, that beginning of the season was was definitely a bit of a whirlwind because, yeah, everyone was looking at that Chiefs game at the during the off season and when when it was announced that was going to be the opener. I, I think if Lions fans were like me, they were a bit nervous because they had been getting all this off season attention because a lot of people were anointing them the breakout team for twenty twenty three and, and any true contender, and they had to go out there and prove it against the world champs on on opening night and. To their credit, they did, and I know Lions fans get annoyed by the fact that that you know Mike Tirico called it an asterisk win because they didn't have Chris Jones because they didn't have Travis Kelsey, and it's it's at least a point that needs to be acknowledged, especially when the next week you get you know the the doors blown off your defense by by Seattle, you're suddenly wondering, okay, was Mike Tirico right? Was that just kind of a fraudulent win? Is this team really going to be that much better? And then yeah, they they rattle off obviously wins in uh, what are we now? Uh, six in the, in the next seven games with only a loss to a really good Ravens team, 
although it was a, a very, very ugly loss. And, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit too. But bit. Um, I, I, think, I think at this point, the Lions have proven themselves enough. And, and granted, they've beaten up on some bad teams here and there, but they did what good to great teams do against those bad teams, and that's beat them handily. And that's what I've been saying as I do my, my NFL show as well, was um, number one, that Thursday night game against Green Bay was just fun. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you enjoyed it way more than I did. But, uh, <laughs> you know, watching Montgomery finally get a win over Green Bay was nice, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was nice to see. And he did so in impressive fashion with three touchdowns and uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it was fun to watch because you guys own the trenches against Green Bay all night yeah. long. You know, just absolutely manhandled those guys all over the field, which was as a former offensive lineman, that's always fun for me to watch, no matter who's playing. But to see it happening to Green Bay was was especially uh, entertaining. And then, like you mentioned, the following week you have Carolina. And when you're a team that is perceived to be somewhere at the top of your conference and you're playing one of the worst, that's what that game is supposed to look like. When you, right. you, you like you said, beat the brakes off of them, 42-24 to in the game was never that close. Uh, and everything. It was really just a, a one-sided uh, beating with some garbage touchdowns at the end, uh, you know, probably screwing up somebody's parlay or something uh, <laughs> like that. Then you beat up on uh, Tampa Bay in a game that also 20-6 to but was never that close. And then what happened in Baltimore? Because it was 28 to nothing before you guys got your first first down of yeah. the game. It's like, what happened in that? Was it just one of those? Because, you know, it's when I was in high school, my junior year, and we made it all the way to the semis. We win this game, we're going to state. And then we, we played the eventual uh, state champions, which is also one thing that made it easier to swallow. But right. in the second half, they beat the ever-loving piss out of us. And, and they ended up winning that game 45-15. to 15. And as much as it sucked to lose that game, and as much as it hurt to have my season end that way, fast forward a year later, I'm a senior now. We're in the second round of the playoffs. We got a rematch with a uh, conference uh, opponent. We end up losing the game on the last play, going for two to tie. That is the one I still lose sleep over. (laughs) The day, you know, losing that game against the eventual state champs and getting our asses kicked like that, Obviously sucked in the moment, but when it comes to like hindsight, when it comes to what is easier to live with, I would much rather get my brains beat in knowing that A, they were better than us, B, it just wasn't our day, as opposed to replaying a million different mistakes that we did that could have covered that two-point deficit in my senior years. Like that one I lose sleep over all the time. And, you know, that, that Lions game, it was just like, okay, the Ravens, this was their day. They smashed us into oblivion early and often and didn't look like we had any business on the field with them. How did that game, you know, how, how were the you, – because you, you, you covered the team and everything. How, yeah. do you, how did they respond after that? I mean, it, it was nice to have kind of, you know, no, no disrespect to Raiders fans out there, but kind of have a layup right after that on Monday Night Football. You come back to, to a home crowd that, that's eager to, to – rectify that game and you're you're facing a josh mcdaniels team that 
that had just aired all their grievances about how much they hate Josh McDaniels a few days before. And, and you go and beat up on them. You know, they, you know, the final score, again, it's, it's probably not indicative of what the game was actually like. They basically ran up and down all day, dominated the trenches on both sides of the ball. And that was, that was nice um, to have. But yeah, I mean, you go back to the Ravens game itself and, Fans were, you know, listen, Lions fans are a little gun shy right now. They, they, they're, they're a little slow to believe that everything that's happening is happening. Um, and so that, that set everyone back a little bit. It's like, okay, well, maybe the, the Lions aren't this true contender. Maybe everything is, you know, you're looking back at this Atlanta game. Uh, Atlanta's a trash team. Green Bay's a trash team. Do they really have any good wins on the roster? Maybe the, the Chiefs game doesn't count either. And then, you're, you, I mean, you're just relitigating the entire Lions season because we're scared. We're scared that, that a 7-2 and two team is not a legit 7-2 and two team. <laughs> you have to remind yourself, there's not a lot of fraudulent 7-2 and two teams in, in NFL history, right. um, other, other than maybe the Vikings last year. But either way, um, I don't know if I would necessarily call it a, a wake-up call because I don't, I don't think the Lions under Dan Campbell are a team that lollygags. Sure. You know, or doesn't give their their full effort. I just think it was a day in which the the I mean the defensive issues that, that showed up that day are something that is definitely a long term concern. We saw it again against the Chargers. In, in in this game, we saw it against the Seahawks. These kind of like mobile quarterbacks that they can also throw on the run are going to give the Lions a lot of problems defensively. And it just so happened that offensively they got off to a slow start. You know, I think I think three three and outs to start the game, and then. And then you're playing behind by 28 points the rest of the game, and that's the not, no team is, is going to win those games. It's, it's incredibly hard to become one dimensional in the second quarter, yeah, and, and 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 somehow expect to get back in that football game, and it just never happened. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those. Um, I feature a handful of games every week, and that was one of the games that I featured mm-hmm. that week. It was two first place teams. Yeah. You know, and uh, and everything. It's uh, it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, the, you know, the, the the Lions are playing really great football. They're going on the road. They're playing against the Ravens, who at that point, I couldn't figure the Ravens out. Right. You know, they seem to be playing up or down to their competition uh, and everything. They had the an inexplicable loss to Indianapolis. Uh, against Gardner Minshew, you know, it wasn't even the Anthony Richardson that beat him. It was Gardner Minshew uh, and everything. And they just, like, refused to put that game away. It ended up killing that game that they lost to Pittsburgh. Was, you know, they just kept letting the Steelers hang around. And then Kenny Pickett hits George Pickens for a 40-yard touchdown, and all of a sudden they lose the game. It's like, I can't figure this team out for the life of me. I had, I had picked you guys uh, to win that one, and then I'm sitting there watching the <laughs> scoreboard just rattle away like, what is happening in Baltimore, you know? And then when I when I got to to sit down and and actually watch uh, the replay, and when I was looking at the the play by play, you know how they break it down on ESPN, literally showing you one play after the other. Like you said, three three and outs, but it was like three plays four yards, three plays five yards, three plays you know four. It's like they're literally doing nothing with the ball, and then handing it right back and. Bang, bang, bang. It was like touchdown, three and out. Touchdown, three and out. Touchdown, three and out. It's like, what, what is going on uh, in Baltimore? And, um, yeah, it was it was quite a shock to see it go down uh, the way that it did. But it also was like as, it, as the game went along, it was just like, yeah, there's just everything that Baltimore is doing uh, is right and nothing that Detroit is doing uh, is working because that's the only explanation – for what's going on. And my surprise 
is that, you know, I don't remember how many turnovers there were, but there were none in the start of the game when they went up 28 to nothing. That was just three and out, and they just ran it right down the field. Touchdown. I mean, it was one of those kind of snowball kind of of days where everything they did worked and nothing you guys did. Yeah. It, it was it was hard to watch. It was I'm sure, yeah. As a fan, it, like I said, it, it kind of makes it, you question everything. But um, I, I think once you get maybe 24 hours away from that game, you realize one, it's just one game. Right. Bad games happen, and and that snowball effect is real. It, it's just sometimes you get teams that, that that'll make a, a furious comeback, like in that Green Bay line. I mean, that felt very much like being on the other end of that Green Bay game, where. It, uh, on that, what was it? Some, no, Thursday night against Green Bay. Mm-hmm. I think the Lions jumped out to a 28 nothing lead in the first half. And you're just like, everything's working. And Green Bay actually worked their way back into that game. Yeah. But but I don't know if the Lions are that kind of team offensively. I mean, you'd like to think that they are with, with Ben Johnson and some of the offensive weapons they have in the passing game. But in general, they, they want, they're so much better when they're a balanced offense. And so when they, when they fall behind big early, I think – the Lions are the kind of team that, that aren't going to mount that kind of heroic three down three scores type of comeback. That's just not their game. The, the good news is I don't expect them to fall behind that much very often because in general, the Lions offense were, was much better in that game. And so I think some people might look at that game and be like, ah, you know, Lions defense got exposed. I mean, yes, a little bit, but you know, the Ravens also just hung what, like 30 on, on the Browns this week. And, I know they lost, but that's a legit offense. Yeah. If the Lions are going to compete with a team like that, it's going to be entirely on the Lions' offense to just keep pace with them. Again, like they did against the Chargers last week. Right. Um, you're just going to have to get in a boat race, and I think the Lions can win games like that. They just can't. They can't have a slow start like that. That was the real, I think, reason why that game spun out of control. The offense just came out slow. Right. Yeah, that definitely doesn't help. And and that was kind of like the start for the Ravens as far as like their their offense really coming right. uh together cuz they had a game against uh Cleveland a couple of weeks before where I don't know what happened with the defense, but it was a very similar game to the one they played with Detroit except it was because Cleveland had Dorian Thompson-Robinson right. starting for at quarterback. You know, you have this fifth-round rookie that's literally being thrown to the Wolves that are the Baltimore Ravens. They could not get anything going on offense, and Lamar Jackson scored four touchdowns uh, in that game, and there it was. Like, no matter how all-world your defense is, when your offense keeps giving the ball back, you're going to get your ass kicked. And that's what happened in that one. And then this past Sunday, when, you know, Cleveland was able to match them shot for shot, that's what that game's supposed to look like. So, right. God forbid you guys get a rematch in, I don't know, in Las Vegas or anything, maybe in February or something like that. <laughs> All right, then, I like then, where this conversation then, is going. Then maybe, you know, <laughs> like you said, if you go shot for shot with the Ravens, you're giving yourself uh, an opportunity uh, to win the game. But if if you fall behind 28 to nothing in the first half, they might as well pop the champagne bottles at halftime because this thing is over with. So Exactly. Yeah. So – Let's talk briefly about the Raider game um, because you and I, that was the one thing you and I didn't talk about when I had you over the summer mm-hmm. was like, you know about me and my uniform snobbery. And literally the day before you and I talked, they released the helmet. 
That's right. And we didn't get a chance to talk about the helmet. And I had thoughts and feelings about the helmet. <laughs> and what's funny is I love the color of the helmet. I thought the color was really cool. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a grave mistake to mix it with the all grays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was terrible. I think the logo, and I understand what they're doing with the logo, why they chose that one, but the logo looks like a kindergartner did it in finger painting class. And the uniforms were painful to look at, and that's ironic because I actually like the all grays with the normal silver helmet. And I thought that if you're going to do the blue helmet, you should have done the blue tops or maybe even go all blue from top to bottom then it might not have stuck out as badly as it did, especially on camera uh, like that. But, um, yeah, the, the first of all, you guys were you, – you, you allowed the Raiders to stay in way longer than you should have uh, sure. with some of those mistakes. And you, you just it, – it, it wasn't as bad as the Bears on Thursday night with the all-oranges, but it was pretty close with the blue helmet and the all-gray uniforms that clashed like there's no tomorrow. Well, uh, I'll, I'll agree with you that they clash. Um, unfortunately, the Lions didn't have much of an, uh, an option there. You, when you, with this like new third helmet that you have, you have to wear it with your your alt, your alts. You Is can't that wear right? it with your normal jersey. You can't wear it with your all blues. Oh, I did so, not know that. Yeah, they had to wear it with their all silvers, which I think everyone agreed with at the time was a horrible idea. Like, yes. It does not. Terrible. It clashed. Like crazy. The good news is that the lines are almost certainly going to get new uniforms next year. Okay. And so you, I, I'm hoping they do like an all blue color rush and, and fit it with that because I think that would actually look pretty clean. Yeah. I, yeah. I will disagree with you about the the logo though. I I think I think I mean I won't disagree that it looks kind of like a child drawing, right. but yes. I, I think it actually works. It's it's a blending of the old school with with the new school of the color. I yeah, like that. Like I, I like the helmet overall. As a, as a as a as an amateur NFL historian, I get it. Yeah, I understand that was like one of the first logos, if not the first logo, you guys had, and I understood that its placement and its usage, or whatever. But I like I said, I especially yeah. the tail, where it's just like it's swinging. Right. It's like oh, and it's also got an anaconda attached to the back of it uh, <laughs> because the tail is ninety eight feet long, and so That's it's right. curling back just so it fits on the helmet, uh, kind of thing. So. Yeah, it's like I I understand the logo. I know why it's there. I understand its history and its placement. Doesn't mean that I like it. It's just it's completely out of place in this time and age. You know, in this day and age, it's out of place. But I understand what they were doing. And like I said, I love the color uh, of the helmet. But matching it up with the all grays, I'm just now learning they didn't have a choice. That sucks. But, um, you know, if they had a choice, I'd think they'd want to go at the very least with the blue uh, blue home jerseys as opposed to going all gray uh, with the uh, with the uh, with the helmet. That was, yeah, they'll, not a good look. They'll, they'll fix it next year. Sure. Yeah. Here's to that. So. <laughs> so then after the Raiders, you got the bye. And then you have an, a knockdown drag out shootout with the uh, Chargers on Sunday. And I just got done uh, talking about it yesterday. 130 plays run between the two teams over 900 <laughs> yards of total offense and 79 points split between uh, the two teams. I mean, it's just utter nonsense when you just sit there and it's like, oh, we're watching a game of Madden take place uh, in front of us. And it literally came down to what the rule used to be in Madden. Last person with the ball wins the game. You guys finish with the ball. You kick the field goal uh, to win it and uh, came away with the win in L.A. by the skin of your teeth. 
Yeah, no, it was a, it was an exciting game. I actually I made the trip over to LA to to go watch that one in person, and um, couldn't have been happier with my choice. That was that was some football game, and I I would say the majority of Lions fans are actually more concerned about that game than excited about it, which to me is it's a little bit silly. Um, there, I mean, there's just there's a lot of anxiety about the defense right now because I think I think Lions fans are are putting the cart before the horse a little bit, and it's like. Oh my God, we're seven and two, the second best te- team in the NFL. Like this is a Super Bowl team. We got to win our Super Bowl. We have to go all in on the trade deadline. We have to we have to make sure that this team is perfect because this is this is our window. And I'm like, I always have to pull people back and be like, this is year one. Are they good enough to to make the Super Bowl? I mean, yeah, probably, but everything kind of has to go right for them to do that. And so you're not going to have a perfect team in the first year of your playoff window, right? And so, um, anyways, going back to the game. To me, my my personal takeaway is, one, now that this offense is fully healthy, you have your, your starting offensive line there, you have David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs in the backfield, you, you have all of your receivers available, that's super dangerous. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the Lions hit their, their, their peak in offensive potential in this game, and I don't see that necessarily slowing down. You have rookie Sam Laporta is... is He's been good from the go, but now he's he's even I think hitting another level, um, and and so to me it was very relieving to see that the Lions could go toe to toe with a top five quarterback in this league and win a shootout. And Jared Goff can be a guy that if you need a drive at the end of the game, he can give it to you. If you need a fourth and two when you could kick a field goal and give the ball back to Justin Herbert and say no, I don't want to do that. Let's go for it on fourth and two instead to make sure Justin Herbert spends the rest of this game on the sideline, I'm going to put the ball in Jared Goff's hand, and he's going to get us the game-winning play. And that's what he did. And and that was one of the final questions I had about Jared Goff, because I've been a pretty big Jared Goff skeptic since the Lions traded for him, and he just keeps checking box after box and proving me wrong after wrong. He's gotten so much better as a decision-maker, and even that fourth-and-two play, he had to go through his full progression to get there. And granted, he's got a really good offensive line that allows him the time to do all that, but he's never really had the confidence to do that. Even in, in L.A., it felt like if his first and second read wasn't there, he'd get happy feet, he'd get a little panicky, he'd make a big mistake. He's not doing that as much anymore because he's had so much more authority over the offense in terms of pre-snap reads, in terms of learning all of that sort of stuff. Protect, He's calling out protections, which is something he never did in Los Angeles. The Lions are giving him ownership of the offense, and it's made him such a – smarter quarterback that that while I think sometimes when we focus on a quarterback getting better we're we're talking about improving their accuracy or improving their mechanics or or all that sort of stuff it's it's been all mental when he's gotten in Detroit and it's made him a smarter more cerebral quarterback and and I think Sunday's game against the Chargers was was him at his best as well yeah it's um a nice problem uh to have because you kind of I know that Brad Holmes has a history with Goff when they were in mm-hmm. L.A. together uh, and everything, but if there was ever a ever a guy that was considered a throwaway piece right. of that trade uh, in the stat, you know, like for you guys, it was more uh, on knee-jerk reaction anyway, was more about those first uh, those two first-round picks, right? And Jared Goff was kind of thrown in so that you would so you would have a starting quarterback even after yep. giving away yours. And talk about something that's worked out like gangbusters. And granted, L.A. got a Super Bowl out of the deal. But as time goes on, this is starting to look like one of the more lopsided trades that's ever been 
made. It's like, yeah, they got Stafford and they got a championship, but you guys got the two first rounders and you got golf in a new, you know, in a, in a change of scenery that has worked out like gangbusters, you know, more and more as time has, uh, has progressed. Yeah, no question. I, I mean, and I think I think a lot of Rams fans would, would still call it a win-win because they did get their rings. But right. yeah, if, if you if you stretch out this trade and and you know follow the the impact of it for for years now, because obviously you know the draft picks that the lines are get those players are going to be on the team for years, and Jared Goff is going to be on the team for years. I mean, I, it seems like it was very very much a win on the, on the Lions front, especially considering. You know Matthew Stafford asked for the trade, right? And you you look like a good franchise doing a former player, right? You you get a bounty for him, even though he he kind of costs you to lose some leverage by essentially announcing that he wants out. Um, it all seems to have worked in the Lions' favor and in Matthew Stafford's favor. He got his ring too, so um, definitely a, a win-win in the short term. Uh, but when you're talking long term. You know that the Rams are now struggling to have a lot of talent. They don't, and they don't have the draft picks uh, to to turn it around. And so, um, you know, it, it could definitely be viewed as a short sighted move for the Rams. But if you if you get your ring, maybe maybe the short sightedness is worth it. Yeah, I mean that was very much twenty twenty one was the Rams pushing all their chips to the center of yeah. the table. That that was because that later on that season they 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 traded a second and a third round pick to to rent Von Miller for half a season. Right. And, you know, then he goes off, and, you know, to get his new bag in, in Buffalo right. uh, and everything. So it's like a second and a third round pick to rent a guy for for a Super Bowl run. And like I said, that worked out. Bringing in Stafford uh, worked out. Bringing in Jalen Ramsey for two first round picks, that worked out. Uh, and all that kind of stuff to the point where the picks that Stafford was traded for were not going, like you had to wait like two years just to be able to use them right. uh, kind of thing. So, I mean, that's how how deep into the hole the Rams were when they, when they made uh, that trade. It was, it was only like watching the NBA make trades. It's like, yeah, we'll give you this guy and this guy for a first round pick in 2029. Right. It's like, it's like 2020. Are we even going to be on, is the earth going to exist in 2029? That is so far from now. What are you talking about? So yeah. But anyway, um, it, it's been, uh, it's been fun. Cause you and I, ever since we started, uh, you know, talking on, on my show, uh, and everything back in 2015, we've had a lot of really lean years. We've been yeah. buddies in third and fourth place for the majority <laughs> of that time. So it's actually nice to see those of us cellar dwellers, somebody finally making it, you know, uh, up to the, uh, you know, or, or at least, you know, up there for now uh, and everything. Cause you know, the other thing we talked about beforehand was just like waiting for the other shoe to drop. I've been through too right. many of these. You know, we're not allowed to have nice things, so when's it all going to go bad uh, for us? But, bro, as I look at the schedule, Chicago, Green Bay, New Orleans, Chicago, Denver, Minnesota, Dallas, Minnesota. I don't see too many losses in that stretch, man. I really don't. I mean, it's going to have to be like another Ravens game in there somewhere where you just get the – you know, you get your doors blown off in the first quarter and you can't come from behind because I don't really see anybody in here. Maybe Dallas, that can beat you straight up. I mean, Denver, we saw what they did last night on on, on Monday night against uh, Buffalo, but they should have lost that game. Uh, right. Buffalo should have won it uh, and everything. And New Orleans, hell, if we don't – we we turned the ball over five times when we lost by one touchdown uh, right. to New Orleans. The Saints don't scare me. They still don't. Yeah. And – 
you know, Minnesota, they got a rocket scientist playing quarterback for them. And apparently that guy's got a shoe, uh, you know, a horseshoe up his ass the way that he's been <laughs> playing. Uh, he's on his third team this season, third yeah. team this Crazy. season, and he's two and zero as a Viking. So the Vikings as a whole might be a problem, but I still think, I don't know, maybe the gravity of those games, week sixteen and week eighteen for Minnesota, will be you know what makes those games interesting. But aside from that week seventeen matchup in Dallas, I don't really see anything as a you know as if as a imaginary Alliance fan here. I don't really see anything that that uh, that worries me too much uh, in these last seven eight games. Yeah, and, and I mean you also just look around the NFC, right? I think I think there's a point zero 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 one percent chance the Lions don't make the playoffs, right? right. Like, there's there's not even an eighth team that I think is worth. Like to me, the teams that are in right now, those are the teams that are, that are in. the the only the only position to me that's up for grabs is the NFC South champ. They right. throw one of those teams at the top, everything else is going to fall into place as, as it currently is. Um, and so that, like, and and I, I say that to myself sometimes because it lets me breathe a little bit easier. Like, I'm going to see a postseason Lions game this year. Haven't seen that since 20, what, 16, 2017. Um, so that's, that's something to celebrate already. Um, but, like, Minnesota, man, think, things things seemed like they had fallen completely into the into place with, you know, no one, no one is celebrating Kirk Cousins, you know, um, horrible Achilles tear. But no. you see that as a Lions fan, you're like, wow, this is a truly our year. Like there, there is no one in the NFC North that that can stop us now because Kirk Cousins was kind of the engine of that Vikings offense, which was a really, really good offense with him mm-hmm. behind center and, and and Justin Jefferson's injury. And then lo and behold, the, the Vikings have won five in a row. They're, they pull a a six round trade or whatever it was, a six and seventh round trade for for Josh Dobbs someone that didn't scare anyone in Arizona and, and suddenly they, they look just as dangerous. And really the thing that makes Minnesota such a dangerous team right now is their defense. What, one of the worst defenses in the league last year, I think they're eighth in DVOA now this year. Like they are playing some really good football because of Brian Flores, their new defensive coordinator. And so I think there's still going to be a challenge for the Lions, particularly in the away game. Cause that's a crazy Minnesota stadium. And and you're you're gonna you might laugh at me here, but I hate playing in Soldier Field, man. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not chalking that one up as a as a win right away because weird things happen on Soldier Field. Right. Remember the game last year in Soldier Field? It was way different than the one in Ford Field. Right. Yeah. Chicago had that game and then kind of threw it away at the end. Don't get me started, um, bro. Don't, <laughs> so, don't. so I'm not. I'm like, all all division games are tough. All division road games are really tough. So I'm not going to count out the Bears. I'm not going to count out either of the Vikings game. And then I agree with you that that Dallas game is, is going to be tricky again. That one's in Dallas too. So, you know, two or three more wins, two or three more losses are, are definitely on the table for this Lions sure, team. Sure. But then we're still talking about a 12, 12 and five, five or 13 and 14. Yeah. So um, things are, are looking pretty, pretty good right now. Yeah. I mean, I know that, you know, you've got like almost all of your divisional games, except for that one game against Green Bay. You got them all right. between now yeah. and the end of the uh, five of the six. Yeah. Now before the season uh, ends, including a rematch with Green Bay next week. Is yeah. that on Thanksgiving? Of course it is. Yes, sir. Yep. Of course it is. So, yeah, how foolish of me. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it's just like, yeah, the, the possibility is there. Uh, I don't think so much this week with the Bears coming into town. But maybe that game in, in Soldier Field, that's always been a tricky place uh, for you guys. Win or lose, yeah. it's always been a uh, – 
It's always and, – and I have the same conversation with Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman every single year. It's like there's always some weird shit that goes down in Soldier Field yeah. when, when the Bears play the Vikings or when the Bears play the Lions. You know, right. like I remember vividly, like it was either 2013 or 2014, you guys swept us, and I think it was 2014. And I remember posting online, it's amazing that the Bears have lost two games to the Lions and they didn't beat us in either one. And it was very much like – Mark Tressman trying to outsmart somebody. Yeah. You know, like I remember we were trying to go for two, I think, to either tie or win the game. And the first play was we had like three tight ends in the game. Everything's bunched <laughs> up. To, and then we throw the ball. Then we try to throw the ball. And then on the very next play, we go empty, five wide, and then we try to run it. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, and it's just – and, and you guys stuffed us on both plays. It's like it was a defensive penalty. That's why we got a second shot. And like I said, Mark Tresman tried to get cute rather than just doing what you do. Hand the ball off to Matt Forte. He was still on the team at the time. Let him run it two yards for a touchdown. Nah, no, no, no. We got to, you know, we got to be cute and, and catch him with their pants down uh, and <laughs> things like those are the kinds of things that happen. Or was it, uh, was it 2020? You guys come to town and uh, a snap bounces off of. Oh, Goff's man. chest and becomes a quote unquote interception uh, for Bilal Nichols or something crazy yeah. like things like that or f- four red zone trips for the Lions zero points uh, <laughs> kind of thing. It's like yeah. those are the kinds of things that happen. Um, and I saw in my Facebook memories the other day the game we played in 2011 where Stafford threw an interception, then grabbed DJ Moore by the face mask and hurled him out of bounds. <laughs> Yeah. And Moore got ejected. Not Stafford, <laughs> but DJ Moore got ejected. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. What is going on? So, yeah, it was um, – and his name was DJ Moore too. So that's funny. But, yeah. But, yeah, but it was like there's like these weird games that the Bears and the Lions have. So, yeah. I, I mean, I the Calvin Johnson game, right? Well, yeah. Oh, man, game. opening game of 2010. Yeah. You know, that's where the, the argument began – Yep. That we still really haven't solved yet, but right. it began that day. What is a catch? What is yep. a catch? You know, and yeah, it's it's a mess. It's uh, but it's always interesting uh, when the Bears and the Lions get together. So I agree that something could happen that day. But it's like, but as I go to, it's like you're going to be favored to win them all. That's all there is to it. Right. You'll be favored to win them all, except maybe that Dallas yeah, game, and then yeah. it'll probably be like a Dallas by three, which is what you get when you're the home team, right. uh, kind of thing. So. I mean, that game very much could be for supremacy in the NFC. So, yeah. you know, stranger things have happened. But, yeah. So, I mean, it's um, it, it's good to see a rebuild that's actually working for sure. somebody because we're having those really awesome conversations on this side uh, about, you know, Justin Fields is done. Uh, we're getting rid of him. And there's an argument, you know, being had right now. Do we just chuck it all in? Because, obviously, Iberflus is gone. He's done. He's you know, six and twenty-two as a starting as our as our head coach. That is literally as bad as it's ever been in the history of our franchise that has existed as long as football has existed. And he's the he's got off to the worst start uh, ever. And you know, so do we get rid of him? Does the GM go out with him? Do we keep the GM and let him hire a new coach? Do we do we keep building around Justin Fields or? Do we, you know, do we jettison him for a third round pick to somebody, you know, it's, and the funny thing is that the the funny question about Justin Fields and everybody is like, 
are you worried about trading him because you're sure he's going to be a star somewhere else? <laughs> and the answer is almost unanimously yes. <laughs> so it's like, then maybe we should hang on to him, right. you know, and, and bring in a new coach that knows what he's doing. Because this is not like Jay Cutler, where Jay Cutler was the coach killer. He ran through three of them before we finally got rid of his ass. This is not what's going on here. Okay, this is mismanagement of the franchise. It's not on Justin Fields not being able to get it done. Because I actually just got done having an argument on Twitter uh, yesterday where somebody played a clip of uh, LaShawn McCoy, who for some reason hates Justin Fields. <laughs> okay. Hates Justin. He's never said a good thing uh, about him, and all they're talking about is his win-loss record. And hmm. when you mentioned last year's game, in Soldier Field between the Bears and the Lions, that was part of a five-game stretch where the Bears averaged 31 points a game. Right. And our record in that stretch, one in four, because we <laughs> gave up like 49, 35, 30, you know, 31 to you guys and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, ask him what his record looks like if he gets any kind of support from the defense last year. Right. You know, because we, after our bye, that first game, a Monday night against the Patriots, we scored 33 points in that game, and then for the next month after that, we averaged more than 30 points a game, and we lost every game after that because our defense couldn't stop anything. So, you know, talk to me about what his record looks like if he gets any kind of support uh, from the defense. It's like this year, I don't know what the hell this – I mean, this year was like it, it all started going sideways for us in training camp. Because you mentioned that you guys are healthy. The offensive line is healthy. All your receivers are back. Montgomery is, is, is healthy and all that kind of stuff. We play week 11. We haven't had a week off yet. So we're going to play our 11th game in 11 weeks, and we still have not had our quote-unquote best five offensive linemen on the field together yet. It hasn't happened yet, okay? Because we started falling apart in preseason – Tevin Jenkins missed the first month with a calf injury. While he was out, Braxton Jones goes down for a month with a neck injury. Uh, just as we get Tevin Jenkins back, Nate Davis has a high ankle sprain. He's still out, as far as I know, uh, and everything. Cody Whitehair has been bouncing back and forth from guard to center to center to guard and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we're playing we're playing game number 11 on Sunday. I would say we've had at least eight or nine offensive line combinations in that time. So, you know, it's like his win-loss record does not tell the whole story. And I know that everybody suffers from injuries and all that kind of stuff, but we haven't played a game yet this year where we've had our offense on the field together. It hasn't happened yet, you know, so it's just – it's one of those things when you want to sit there and, and make an argument for Fields to stay and for him to be the guy, people just want to you know live and die on the stats and they're not giving the full uh, context of what has actually uh, you know, taken place and why it's gone the way it has for Fields. Like, sure, he's had his issues, but the whole team has had its issues around him. So, you know, it, it's, such, it's, it's a such a difficult conversation to have. So it's nice to see that it's been working out for you guys and then, you know, kind of going the way that you would have planned for it to go. It's like, okay, year one, we're going to take it in the teeth. It's going to suck, but we'll get through it. And then year two, you see some growth. Year three, we make our move, you know, and then year four and beyond, who knows uh, what happens, you know. And the other thing 
for the I would, that I was going to say before for all of your you know fellow fans and whatnot that are uh, getting nervous like because of the Ravens game or giving up thirty eight to the Chargers. Just keep in mind one very important fact: you are in the NFC, so it yeah. is a very very wide open conference. As in, there's like maybe two or three teams that gravitate towards the top, and the rest of it below is a crapshoot that you can never predict. And yeah. uh, but you know, it's of the two, it's also the weaker of the two conferences as far as like powerhouse teams. Okay, yeah. like right now, there are teams that have winning records in the AFC that, if the season ended, they aren't making the playoffs, and that's barely true for the NFC right now. Right. Barely yeah. true for the NFC. So. Yeah, it's you're in the NFC. It's going to be a much easier road to the playoffs than it would be, you know. You got five games against the AFC. The rest are against the NFC. You're going to be fine. Yeah. You're going to be and fine. Then, and like I said, like I'm, I'm already, like to me the the ticket has already been punched to the postseason. And and if you look at some of these, you know, probability sites, they're, they're at like ninety nine point one percent, ninety eight point six percent. Like they're going to make the playoffs. There's no question about it. It's just. What, what's the seeding going to be? Can they keep the Vikings at bay? This team, this city really, really wants a home playoff game. So winning the, the North, as, as you, I'm sure, know, the Lions have never technically won the NFC North. They haven't right. won a division title in, in 30 years. So just like getting over that hump, even, even if the Lions were to get bounced in the first round on Ford Field, I think most people would view this season as a success just to get that division title you know, finally have an, an actual banner worth hanging in Ford Field that isn't from 70 years ago. <laughs> yeah, to, to finally exercise the ghost of Bobby Lane exactly. uh, once and for all would be nice. And, yeah, I'm looking at the standings in the NFC right now, and the seventh seed is Minnesota at 6-4. and four. The eighth seed, if there was such a thing, Tampa Bay at 4-5. and five. Yeah, say we, Lions, we, Lions beat them head to head, so yeah. if it came to that. But I mean, looking at the NFC, at the AFC, you have to go all the way down to the eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve seed in the Chargers before you get to a losing record. Right. So I mean, the uh, the the Colts and the Bills and the Raiders are all five and five, would be nine, ten, and eleven. But it's like you in the NFC. You fill out the seven seeds, and then everybody else has a losing record. You right. know, in the NFC or the AFC, there are four losing records in the AFC right now. So, yeah, yeah, you're in the NFC. You're going to be good, or you <laughs> at the very least, if you play like you've been playing, you'll be in the mix at worst. You'll right. be in the mix. You'll be in the playoffs. And when you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. Ask the Giants. Exactly. You know, they've got two Super Bowl wins over Tom Brady when they win nine and ten games in that season. So, yeah, as long as you're in the tournament, you got a shot. So, yeah. So, Jeremy, I, as much as I look forward to our talks, man, I am not looking forward to this game uh, on Sunday. Uh, I think the chance of Fields being back are good, and that is the last thing in the world that I want right now. Not because I'm such a – a stand for, for Tyson Bajan or anything like that. But this is not the team that I want him facing in his first game back in over a month. You know, I, I wanted him to play against Carolina uh, on Thursday. And even though he sure. practiced last week, he still got held out 
uh, of that game, and we barely beat uh, Carolina uh, on Thursday. I really wanted to see him out there, let him knock the rust off against a team where you can afford to make a mistake or two. Not in this game uh, against Detroit where it can turn into, you know, not to keep, you know, kicking a dead horse here, but turn into the Ravens game in a heartbeat here where all of a sudden the game plan goes out the window because we're down three scores in the first quarter. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point, and then not really one I had thought of because, it, you know, I, I look at the Lions' defense and I say, well, this is one that, that Justin Fields could have a, a pretty good day for, but then you remember that the Lions' offense is so potent that, yeah, they're going to they're gonna make sure that it, Justin Fields is going to have to score on almost every drive to yeah. keep up with the team, and, and I'm not trying to disrespect the Bears' defense. They, they've been very good against the run, but – I don't think they, they have the, the, the horses to, to keep up with the Lions offense. And so, yeah, that, that, that's going to make it a tough day for Justin Fields. And he's going to have to throw the ball a lot more than, than I think that the Bears are going to want to in this game. And if that happens, well, listen, I think, I think we all know that the one common problem that Justin Fields has with a lot of players of his caliber is that he takes a lot of sacks. And mm-hmm. if that happens, then you're getting behind the sticks. You're, trying, you're, you're getting into third and longs, which is going to force you to make some tight window throws and all that sort of stuff. So I, I could see how this game gets a little bit out of hand, but for the Bears, I think the key is to hold the ball for a long time on offense, and I think they, they might be able to. That line's have a pretty good run defense, but I know the Bears can run the ball a little bit as well and, and just do what you can to stop the Lions' rushing attack, maybe force them to be a little bit one-dimensional. Again, good Bears run defense, so maybe that's in the cards, but... Um, the, the the Bears just can't let this become a shootout because right. I don't think Justin Fields can can keep up with the lines offense. Right, and that's what that's what worries me. It's not so much that you know, like we don't. Number one, we don't have an offense that would be built to go toe to toe with you guys if you guys got got hot uh, right. on Sunday like you did uh, against the uh, Chargers. But what worries me even more is how this season, well, actually the last two seasons under Eberflus. We are a one step forward, two step back kind of team, where, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be able to run the ball, but will we be able to keep the yardage? No, because of our holding penalties, or because of an illegal shift, or because of something else that kills that play and brings it back. Because I can't tell you how many yards Deontay Foreman has, but I can tell you how many he should have if these <laughs> plays didn't keep getting called back. Right. You know, he would have or, you know, like Darrington Evans, who's been running the ball for us while Herbert uh, and Roshan Johnson uh, were hurt. He had several runs, at least three or four that were like, how did he only end up with like 27 yards rushing on the day? He had a run for like 30. Oh, right. That one got called back, you know, and that happens uh, so many times where there's, you know, something stupid that happens something undisciplined, and things that happens over and over again, the Bears are a team that can't get out of their own way. And when right. you're not playing well, that is absolutely the worst thing that can happen. And when you're playing against a team like the Lions that can capitalize on those mistakes, it's going to turn into a blowout before, before your beer gets warm. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just, just going to be one of those things where it's like, you know, somebody who's watching the game and uh, watching a game in a different market can be like me, when you guys are playing the Ravens, like, what the hell is going on in Detroit? It was like every time they show the score, it's a different score. It was it was seven nothing. Now it's fourteen. Now it's twenty one. Now it's twenty four. What is going on in Detroit? Are the Bears self destructing? 
they might be, or they're turning the football over. When it, all of those things are possible. So, yeah, it, that's what worries me and why I said that, you know, I, I've expected for weeks that you guys were going to murder us when we come to town just because of how undisciplined we can be, how mistake-prone we have been. If Bajan plays, he's going to turn the ball over almost more than Justin Fields does and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And as well as the defense has been playing, it's proving to be one of the top units. Eberflus um, has really kind of found his feet as a defensive play caller. But two things. Number one, he will not dial up pressure. He mm. refuses to do it. And we don't have the horses, like you said, we don't yeah. have the horses to get home with four. You know, or at the very least, we don't have that defensive scheme where you can scheme a guy open in with a with a with a game up front. You know, right. where you, the guys are twisting. You know, all that kind of stuff. We uh, we don't do that. We just run. We just you know beat them around the edge, we'll collapse the pocket in the middle. We'll get to the quarterback. Meanwhile, the other seven guys are in the back trying to defend, and our opponents are finding these soft zones where. It's not so much that they're catching the ball and getting a first down. It's that they're catching the ball and then running for about 10 yards before they get touched by anybody else. <laughs> so, yeah. they, they, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a good defense at times, but it can be so heavily exploited, and it always seems to happen on third down. If you guys win on third down, you'll win a game 100 to nothing uh, on Sunday. It, w- it would just be an absolute uh, bloodbath. Because on first and second down – we are the best defense in the NFL, bro. Nobody can touch us. It's third and long every single time. But whether it's third and eight or third and 80, you're going to get a first down because we're only going to come with four. You're going to find that spot in the zone, and Amon Ross St. Brown is going to run for 60 yards. So, Yeah, and that, I mean, to me, that that plays right into the Lions' hands right there. Yeah. Not only is this offensive line really, really good. I mean, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack um, were, were essentially – just completely gone from the game last week because they have their, their fully healthy offensive line. I think it's, I personally think, and, and no disrespect to the Eagles, I think this is the best pass blocking offensive line in football right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, if the bears aren't going to be able to bring the pressure on third down, that's going to be a humongous problem for them because they have talented wideouts in Amonra who can get open and Sam Laporta who can get open. Heck if, if, Jameer Gibbs is out there on the field. He's a guy that can come out of the backfield Dude, and get open. David Montgomery. David Montgomery. He's, he's, he's only caught about seven backfield. or eight passes this year. Yeah. But, we, we, I mean, you guys know more than anyone. He's very very capable of, of coming out and, and doing that if he needs to. And he, I know he's going to be motivated this week. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, we saw that preseason when, yeah. you know, what, what, what game are you looking forward to? He's like, week 10, week 11, whichever one it is. That's the one I'm looking forward to. It's like, man, what happened in those negotiations, man? What happened? Yeah, you know? I, know, I was like, he took it personal, like you would not believe, man. And um, yeah, so I mean, it's uh, it's it's amazing what uh, what could happen. the The worst case scenarios are, you know, boiling over because that's really all we've seen so far this year. That, you know? But that said, like, I, I'm kind of fascinated by this matchup because it, it is truly a strength for strength when it comes to. The Bears' running game going against the, the Lions' run defense, which has, has been very good this year, and then the Lions' running game going in against a, a good Bears' run defense. Like both these teams want to run the ball, be very balanced on on offense. Yet both teams have pretty darn good run defenses. So, um, you know, if, if if let's say those two evens out, then then I think you look at back at everything yesterday and say, well, 
Lions don't have a very good pass defense, but their passing offense is elite. But the Bears' pass offense is also not very good, and their pass offense is extremely inconsistent right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just and, – and for me, man, it's – from week one I've been saying that it's it's the, the case for Eberflus and the whole lot of them to get fired was that um, – was that Vikings game, you know, that Vikings game, like we didn't know that uh, Brian Flores blitzes anywhere from 60 to 80% of the time, right? You know, first play of the game, bro. And I'm sure my listeners are tired of hearing me bring this up, but it's, I just can't get over it. First play of the game. We go empty. And just, just before the snap of the ball, we know there's a guy coming free. We know there's a guy coming free. Now, whether he's not allowed uh, to make audibles or whatever, nothing happens pre-snap. Field snaps, snaps, looking for a receiver, gets plowed from behind on the first play of the game. And that set the tone for the rest of it. And then later on in the second quarter, Fields is under fire once again, is trying to get rid of the football to, like, throw the ball away to avoid a sack, and that's when he hurts his thumb. Right. And then from, from then on, it's been the Tyson Bajant show and because he showed up against the Raiders who couldn't have been playing worse at the time apparently he's the second coming of uh you know of quarterbacking in Chicago so <laughs> I mean that lasted a good one or two weeks yeah yeah I mean he went two and two as a starter in four games and sadly that was better than Fields going one and five uh right. as a starter so there's there's another stat people want to throw out uh and and what have you so like, yeah, just never mind that before he got hurt in Minnesota, he's coming off back-to-back games where he threw eight touchdowns and one interception, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, never mind that he actually looked like he'd, he'd figured it out until Getsy decided that we're going to throw him to the Wolves. Again, or we're going to – like, it, it, it's literally the whole game. You're sitting there watching, like, Luke Getsy on the sidelines be like, wait, the Vikings blitz? I had no idea because that's what his game plan looked like. Right. You know, like they, they were coming and he didn't, he didn't either. He didn't know or he didn't care. Neither one of those is good. So anyway, yeah. So we're playing on Sunday and uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm, I'm I'm picking you guys uh, to win for sure. And I'm not jinxing you. I swear. Um, I just like legitimately don't see any way for us to win this game aside from having it all go wrong. Like a turnover here, a punt return right. there, a kick, you know, it's just like everything like would literally literally have to rain hellfire on you guys for us to win this game because straight up we can't do it. Straight up we can't. You know, going head to head, we need those extra things. We need a we need to block a punt, we need to run a kick back, we need to have a pick six uh in there, a scoop and score, something like that. We need extra points outside of our offense uh doing something because straight up we can't beat you guys. So yeah, not with this coaching staff anyway. Really, the, the only way I see the, the Bears hanging is, is what we just said. Like, if, I, I guess we can just assume the running games are going to cancel each other out, and, and you're going to have to have Justin Fields out-duel Jared Goff. And, if it and, is Justin Fields, because they still haven't sure. come out and said that Fields is going to play this week. It's like everyone just assumes that because he was practicing before, because it was right. the first time he'd practiced, because he practiced before Carolina – that, oh, he'll be ready after the 10-day mini-buy. He'll be 
going. But knowing this coaching staff, they'll throw Bajan out there uh, again. And then it's just like automatically just just go ahead and call it a win now, and we're just doing this as like, a, you know, like what is it, dual squad practice or something right. like that because this game is already over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, who, who knows? But, yeah, I, I, because the Lions have, have looked a little bit vulnerable as of late in past defense, I think – I think there's still a, a small level of anxiety for me, but again, I think anytime I, I think about this team and, and some of the deficiencies they have on defense, I remember that this offense is just firing on all cylinders right now, and it would take a near-perfect game from Chicago on offense to keep up, and I just I just don't see that happening. Yeah, if if downfield throwing is your concern, it's it's non-existent against Bajent. Either, either he doesn't right. have the arm or they don't trust him because everything for Tyson Bajant is number one outside the hashes, you know, between the hashes and the sideline, everything is out there and it's all within about 10 yards of the line of scrimmage because we don't push the ball uh, down the field or at least not to the rate that you would have to be worried about it. Yeah. You know, that's the one thing that kind of got it tucked in their back pocket kind of thing that they might push it down the field. Uh, a little bit. You you can leave the middle of the field wide open. It doesn't matter because we're not going in. <laughs> we don't exist inside the middle of the field. Like, I don't know why it is the Bears just decide, or Getsy at the very least, just neglects using the whole field. You know, you, you won't see Cole Komet, who is shaping up to be one of the better tight ends in the league right now. He's really grown uh, into a very good tight end. We don't use him over the middle like you'd think. Like, like the way you guys use Laporta. Or right. that, you know, the way the Chiefs use Kelsey or anybody, how Dallas Goddard and, and Philadelphia and all that kind of stuff. All those guys live in the middle of the field. You know, they live in the middle of the field. Coming on crossing routes, drags, you know, that kind of thing. That's where you do all your damage. You know, seam routes, that kind of thing. It's only natural for a tight end who's right there at the end of the line of scrimmage to run right up the center of the field uh, on a seam route. Pfft, nah, we're going to get Cole Komet on these quick screens and get him behind <laughs> You know, our five foot ten, hundred and sixty pound receivers who are gonna be trying to block linebackers and and coming at full speed defensive backs. Works like a charm every single time. Oh no, wait, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. So, you know, yeah, it's um it's so frustrating. Watch, man. I can't even I can't even tell you, man. I can't. So it's I've just, been there. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> This is the one thing that we can always do during these podcasts is we can commiserate of, of our team's poor history. Yeah. Even if it seems like my, my franchise maybe has finally moved past some of that, I can still uh, I can still relate. Yeah. No, I know you can. I know that uh, <laughs> I know that you can, which is why I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm ranting because I know you know my pain uh, and everything. So, but uh, Jeremy, as always, man, always great to have you on. Uh, the show. I hope the Bears at least make a game of it uh, on Sunday. You know, maybe kind of like last year, where we hang in there for the first two and a half, maybe three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, reality sets in and you guys pull away from us uh, or something. That would be at least a small uh, victory for me because now we're we're not in the we're not in this to tank because Carolina's taking care of that for us right. uh, this year. So we can win or lose; it doesn't really matter. Uh, at this point, but uh, yeah, that, yeah, I mean that was just like the Lions last year, right? The the Rams were tanking for us, and so it didn't didn't matter that the Lions won eight out of the last ten games, right? Yeah. So. Um, 
Are you, are you guys, by the way, are, are the Bears still doing that thing where they score on every first drive of the game and then the offense just completely falls off a cliff after that? Uh, we've done it a few times uh, okay. this year, yes. And um, we did it against uh, Tampa Bay uh, uh-huh. in week number two, and it was a brilliant drive, whereas in week one, DJ Moore caught two passes, had two targets for two catches for 25 yards in the second quarter, and we never heard from him again. He had two catches for 70 yards on the opening drive, and Justin Fields scrambled in for a touchdown, and then the offense didn't score again until the uh, fourth quarter. So, Mm. yeah, we've done that a few times this year. We march right down the field, put it in the end zone, and then it's like, okay, Luke, it's a 60-minute ball game, bro, so you got to call plays for the rest. You know, you can't just script the first 15 and throw the playbook out the window. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, the Bears do that. Okay. They have done it. We didn't do it last week against Carolina, but, you know, we did uh, – we've done it a few times this year. We led the league in it last season. Yeah, We actually led it. the league uh, in that, and at the very least coming away with points on the first drive of the game, and then it just all went to shit after that. So it's uh, – yeah, we've done that a few times uh, <laughs> this year. Not as much as we did last year, you know, giving our fan base instant hope because we scored right. on the first drive of the game. No, nah, we don't – we don't really uh, do that, but um, yeah, I mean, I I think you guys have more to worry about on defense if Fields does play because then the whole playbook uh, is open. We still sure. won't attack the middle of the field. God only knows why. I don't know what the hell. I don't know. Maybe somebody told Luke Getze the middle of the field is made of lava or something <laughs> like that because the only people that are allowed in the middle of the field on the Bears offense are running backs or wide receivers on third down. That's it. Outside of that, everyone has to stay outside the numbers and outside the hashes. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, I don't I don't uh, I don't understand what what that's about. And here we were thinking that when we hired Getsy, that uh, well, you know the, the the we better have somebody on staff who's learning the offense side by side because when this guy turns well, you know Justin Fields into the the next great quarterback in the NFL, somebody's going to steal him from us. And make him a head coach, and this, that is the last thing we have to worry about right now. So, yeah. But um, anyway, Jeremy, I'm going to stop belly aching right now, and uh, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, you guys got a lot going on on uh, over over there on uh, Pride of Detroit, doing all kinds of things. What what are you guys uh, dipping your toes into this year? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're doing a little bit of everything. Like you said, we're we're. Our, our main stuff is our written site, still com, where all of our analysis news, all that sort of stuff. If you're interested in us previewing uh, the Bears game, our, our coverage for that always kicks off on Wednesday. So we'll have some stuff then. We're doing stuff on the podcast feed. So you can just search Pride Detroit on any of your podcast feeds to catch us there. We go live on Twitch and YouTube for, <clears throat> excuse me. We go live on Twitch and YouTube for those podcasts as well. So you can find us on, on those platforms. We do original YouTube content that isn't live there too. So you can check us out there. And then I always want to mention, especially when you catch us in November, uh, we raise money for charity during the month of November. We call it Movember. I grew out a gross little mustache that, that thankfully uh, this is an audio podcast. You can't see it's gross, right. um, but we're raising money for the Alzheimer's association this year. Um, you can go to our, one of our live feeds on YouTube or Twitch, or you can go to pridedetroit.com and there's a, a big, uh, our logo with a mustache on it, click on that post. And there's a whole bunch of information on, um, you know, why we're raising money and what you can get. You, I mean, you could drop by our live feed, donate $25 and make me write 
you know, go bears on my forehead during the middle of the street. If, if that's, if that's your prerogative. Um, but uh, we, we've already raised, uh, I think we crossed over $12,000 halfway through the month here. And we're, we're, we're trying to hit 50 uh, and I'll shave my head if we do, which nice. I, I have kind of a luscious hair of head. Yeah, you do, man. You got a, you so, know, frizzy little Jufro going on there. That's, man. that's it's, exactly uh... right. Um, so yeah, uh, if, if that seems like something that, that you want to do and, and yeah, you can, you can make a line fan do some, bears things uh in your favor while while giving to a good cause uh, check out the website all right as always man always great to have you on uh despite your allegiance to that uh that team over in detroit but uh we love you anyway jeremy we'll talk to you again uh in a few weeks yeah sounds good larry i always love coming on here so no problem at all As always, like I said, love having Jeremy on the show, despite his uh, horrible allegiance to that team in Michigan. Uh, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, some people just, they have a problem. You know, they, they just root for the wrong teams. And, uh, you know, it's sad, but uh, we love him anyway, and we enjoy having him back. Uh, we're right in the midst of a a Lions-Viking sandwich at the moment because uh, – and granted, we don't play the Vic- or the Lions again for another three weeks, but we've got our bye week in there. So it's like we got the Lions on Sunday. We have the Vikings next Monday. And then, well, not the, yeah, the following Monday, the bye week, and then the Lions in Chicago coming off the, uh, off the bye. So we'll see how that uh, ends up uh, working out. But, you know, three divisional games back to back to back. Very, very important. It will be our second matchup with uh, with the Vikings, and obviously we're getting our two matchups with the uh, Lions. Then we get a little reprieve with uh, Cleveland, Atlanta, and Arizona before we finish things up with the Packers. So, yeah, interesting time. So, moving on to keys of the game or keys to the game, and I really only had one, but I put down two, and basically the first key is be aggressive, and opportunistic. You know, when you're playing a superior team, you have to throw the book at them, you know, and not let them breathe. Yes, you can open yourself up to, you know, vulnerabilities like like blitzing and uh, and things like that, but I'd prefer to go out guns blazing than try to beat them straight up and get rolled because, you know, like, it's, like you heard me telling Jeremy, it's like trying to go straight up with these guys, they'll kill us. They will absolutely kill us. And... um so we're going to have to find some other way to gain an advantage, an upper hand, the the mental advantage, whatever it might be. But, you know, like I said, running a kickback, you know, strip sack, pick six, something of that nature. We're going to need something like that in order to overcome the, uh, the Lions or to gain some kind of advantage or to get the momentum, uh, that kind of thing. We're, we're not... We're not playing well enough because, like I said, I think we're good enough, but we're not playing well enough to just go out there and no tricks and just go out there and beat them straight up. We're, we're just not. We're not that good. And, um, the, you know, the other key was you will also need to be as perfect as possible. No penalties, no mental errors, no nothing. So we can't have these 
these lineup mistakes that cost us timeouts. We can't have these illegal shifts that will, you know, that run that we had that we got eight, we got eight yards on first and ten. Well, now it's first and fifteen, or it's first and twenty uh, because of a holding penalty, or because uh, you know two guys are moving at the same time, or or whatever. We're having a mental error where our receivers run smack into each other. I saw a play on the all twenty-two against the Saints where DJ Moore and Darna Mooney ran smack into each other. And I think the only thing more remarkable than the two of them running into each other like that was that nobody got hurt. Because you see all the time when players run into each other, they try to avoid each other at the last second, somebody's kneecap gets hyperextended, and somebody goes out for a while because they they were not running the routes they were supposed to be, or they're, they're both running the same route and somebody screwed up and they run into each other and somebody gets hurt. So we got to clean all that up because we can't afford to make mistakes, which is why I wanted Justin to get the rust off against the Panthers so that he would have a little time uh, under his belt and that he wouldn't be so rusty because we can't afford for him to be rusty in this game. This can get away from us super, super fast. And I, and I, I brought it up not to tease uh, Jeremy or to rub his face in it or anything, but that, that, uh, that uh, Ravens game that the Lions played is a perfect example of what I think could happen on Sunday if, A, we don't bring our best, if, B, we, we don't shoot our own selves uh, in the foot, and, B, aren't aggressive or opportunistic, you know, especially in the early going. The, the the Ravens come out, guns blazing, they score a touchdown. The Lions come out, three and out, give the ball right back. The Ravens move it right back down the field, put another touchdown on the board. Three and out, give the ball right back. Ravens, all the way back down the field, got a touchdown. I think on the third drive for the Lions, they finally, A, ran more than three plays. Actually, no, they didn't. They went three and out again, kicked the ball back to the Ravens, who in turn went right back down the field and scored again because they did not get a first down. Their first first down until there was about there was less than seven minutes to go in the first half, and they were already down 28 to nothing. That could easily happen to the Bears on Sunday. Justin Fields being rusty, not quite in sync with the team that he hasn't played with for six weeks uh, and things like that. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm being, the, being the pessimistic. This is the worst-case scenario, but I think it's far more likely than Justin Fields coming off the uh, you know injured list for the last month and, and change for him to come out and just start slinging it on the field like he's just been incubating this whole time. I would love for that to happen. I would love to be stone cold wrong about all of it. And he comes out and he's a new man and he knows he's got seven weeks to be, to still be in Chicago in 2024 uh, and all the rest of that. I would love for that to happen. But I think it's far more likely that, you know, we run on first down or we, we pass on first down incomplete second and 10. We run on second down three yards, third and seven. We try to go for, you know, throw the ball on third down. Either fields get sacked or, you know, the impasse is incomplete and we got a punt. And then here come Montgomery and Jared Goff and Amon Ron St. Brown and Sam Laporta and all the rest of it. And it's just like, okay, five plays, 75 yards, boom, touchdown. It's 7 nothing. Now we're playing from behind. Uh, and that Detroit Lions crowd is fully wrapped up into it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot. So 
I hope for the best. I'm prepared for the worst. I want the Bears to win, but I just don't see any way for that to happen outside of a bunch of miscellaneous shit going in our favor. You know, like all of a sudden the Lions don't know how to stop committing their own uh, penalties. They look like that team in 2021 that started 0-10-1. Yeah, sure, if that team shows up on Sunday, great. Then we'll be able to run them off their own field. I don't see that happening. So, like I said, I, I'm, I'm hoping for the best, prepared for the worst, and I expect the Bears to uh, come away uh, with the loss uh, on Sunday. So that's going to do it, guys, for the Week 11 review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back on Monday when we review this game. How right was I? How wrong was I? Was it truly as bloody as I thought it might be? And uh, Or did we just pull one out of our ass and win a game? Uh, against the Lions on Sunday. Wouldn't that just be fantastic? So come back on Monday, find out how it all went down and how I felt about what I saw. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the Bears Talk Underground.